demoralizing, Wendy. You're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian, and trust me, the shot's going to linger on me for about 20, 30 seconds too long after I'm done speaking. And with me, as always, is film critic, Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. On this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them using our unique system. A run-of-the-mill bad film is rated a dare. We give a double dare to those truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the hallowed reverse dare, or those despised movies that are actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we're reviewing the impossibly named Lazar Rockwood in Bozadar D. Benedict's 1987 exploitation classic, Beyond the Seventh Door. We're also going to read some movie dare sent in by our listeners. But before we get started, my man Dan, he's going to talk about the beer he's drinking during the show. Well, wouldn't you know it, I'm drinking another beer from Urban Roots Brewing here in Sacramento, California, as I do so often. A little something different from them. This time, it's a collaboration with Allagash, a great uh, brewery from Portland, Maine, and it is a Belgian-style pale ale. It's called Virtual Connection because, you know, obviously brewers do a lot of these collaboration beers. They get together. They brew at each other's place. They use each other's equipment. They share each other's knowledge. Um, But this is a virtual connection. It's a Belgian-style pale ale, Safir and Tetnang hops. It's just a light 4.5% alcohol by volume, but it has those kind of estery... Belgian flavors that you like. It's in a light beer, but it's got a nice little hoppy backbone to it. So this is a nice uh, flavorful beer, but very light. And you can have several of them. So at this time, we usually like to talk about the previous review we did, if we have some further thoughts. But I actually have something on a movie that we did, gosh, about nine months ago. Uh, Velosa Pastor. <laughs> nice. A movie that Daniel and I had different viewpoints on. Uh, Dan didn't feel it was very effective or effective at all. I, I enjoyed it and <laughs> cracked up. But one of the v- things uh, we disagreed about in the comedy, uh, the Velocipaster needed a, a ground to start at to to ratchet up the craziness. Uh, mm-hmm. That the craziness, just craziness on top of craziness doesn't give you a, a level. And I was actually kind of for that because I felt like it was the evolution of the Zucker Abraham Zucker model. And a, a specific reference you made, I I was angry because I was listening to it. And I'm like, oh, why didn't you respond to that? It was the first Austin Powers movie. Hmm. While I enjoy the first Austin Powers movie, in my book, the second Austin Powers movie is 10 times funnier. It's it's better. And it's exactly, I think, that dichotomy between the two viewpoints. I think you prefer the first Austin Powers movie and think it's funnier because it has a little bit of a ground level, whereas the second one is just crazy from the get-go, and it's Mike Myers fucking around in different costumes. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is just way funnier. My response to that was that this the sequel does have a, a ground level to start from, and that's that there's a first movie with established characters that you know well, so it can kind of take those off-roads with that, whereas Velocipastor just, again, started at a dumb and ridiculous and was dumb and ridiculous. It, it's not my, my, my point not just was not having a base level, but that it wasn't actually parodying anything. Sure. Um, there was nothing that it was actually, like, making fun of movies about people who turn into dinosaurs, you know, that that's not like a genre that you can make. No. <laughs> the way I'm going to do this is I will listen to this episode nine months down the road and then yeah. argue against what you just said. So I, I eagerly await your response to be continued. <laughs> so now let's read a few of our movie dares. Our wonderful listeners have been sending these dares to us. They they're daring us to watch these movies uh, they are sending it on the website, daredaniel.com. They are on the Schmied, which is the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, and your so forth. Schmied's got a Schmied. It's all <laughs> Schmied these days. Everything's Schmied nowadays. That's what I'm telling the kids. It's all Schmied these days. I tell these kids I'm a Schmied influencer because I've influenced people to use the word Schmied. I'm not a social media influencer it, by any stretch of the imagination. Am I a Schmied influencer? I should think so. I, should I thought it was so. Schmeedfluencer. Just to save a little bit of time. Yeah. Any any way that I can shave those seconds off. It adds up. It's like a change jar. You just add it up and then you just go, (laughs) ka-ching. I've got 38 hours of schmied savings. (laughs) Just in the bank. I could use that anytime I want. What's ironic is you spend that time on social media. Right? Yeah. So, (laughs) hmm. 
Yeah, I no, I haven't thought it all the way through. <laughs> so our first dare comes to us from frequent dare, Mister Positivity Wolfie T. Mister Positivity has previously dared us to watch films like Norbit. He is a very positive, yeah, person. He's got a positive outlook on life. I call him Mister Positivity. A lot of people just say Wolfie T. I say no, he's Mister Positivity Wolfie T. What do you got for us, Mister Positivity Wolfie T? He has the forgotten. A film from 2004, The Heady Days of 2004, directed by Joseph Rubin, stars Julianne Moore and Dominic West. Corky, do you know this movie, or have you forgotten it? No. I mean, the last movie I saw in theaters. <laughs> it was Gold Diggers of 1937, wasn't it? The Flamingo Kid with <laughs> Matt Damon and Peter Bogdanovich in a starring role. That's, wow. You have like an encyclopedic knowledge of film. It's kind of, it's uh, it's slightly you know, Rain Man-esque. It was directed by Sidney Lumet. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. This film directed by Joseph Rubin or another movie? Why did Mr. Positivity want us to watch this film starring Julianne Moore and Dominic West from 2004? He says, years ago, I saw the second half of The Forgotten on TV and it was insane. I ended up buying it on DVD at a video store going out of business sale. It took me about 10 years to actually watch the DVD. The first half isn't as exciting, but it's a decent thriller about essentially the Mandela effect long before that was a thing and goes off the trails with its M. Night Shyamalan-style twist. IMDb synopsis says, After being told that their children never existed, a man and woman soon discover there is a much bigger enemy at work. Dun-dun-dun. Quirky, do you know this movie? You, I've you never, never even it? heard of no. this movie. I actually had like a weird opposite experience of Mr. Positivity because I actually remember starting to watch this movie like back in 2004 when it first came on on DVD or cable or whatever started watching it fell asleep like maybe 10 or 15 minutes in and just (laughs) don't remember anything that happened Um, and didn't even know there was a twist until people said later I mean obviously it was setting up that it was going to be some kind of twist but I didn't know how insane the twist was but now I know because I looked it up so sorry Mr. Positivity I went Mr. Negativity on you foiled your plans Keep the dares coming. Our next dare comes to us from friend of the show, Jesse. His dare is 365 days. Now, Jesse has made donations to the show, as Mm. well as daring uh, an episode, well, I think is a classic Dare Daniel podcast episode of Collateral Beauty. Oh, absolutely. But let's just, let's backtrack back again to that donation part. Yeah. You put the money in the bag, (laughs) you write DDP on the front. Mm-hmm. It gets delivered to Diamond Dallas Page. He says, what is this? A bag of money? He doesn't understand. Gets sent back to the post office. They say, no, this is DDP needs dare to your podcast. Gets sent to us. We open up. We find bag of money. We say, must be for a dare. That's going to the front of the line. Absolutely. Such we as. We can be bought. We've said it before. We can be bought and We for brag cheap. about being able to be bought. I for mean, cheap. I don't want to say like this is going to cost you like real dirt fucking cheap you can buy us, honestly. We take money that Dem- Diamond Dallas Page will pass on. <laughs> for example, Jesse's Dare is of a movie 365 Days. It's a 2020 release directed by Barbara Bialo. Yeah. Barbara Bialois. Good luck. And Thomas Mendez. Stars Anna Maria Sikluka, Michelle Moroni, Bronislav Rolowski, and it's streaming on Netflix. Why did Jesse dare us this movie filled of, I'm assuming, Czechoslovakian people? Because you love the Fifty Shades trilogy so much, and despite the obvious similarities, this is so much better. The IMDb synopsis for 365 Days. Massimo is a member of the Sicilian Mafia family, and Laura is a sales director. Okay. She does not expect that on a trip to Sicily, trying to save her relationship, Massimo will kidnap her and give her 365 days to fall in love with him. Yeah, I, ne- I never expect that on a trip to Sicily. <laughs> no, no. I, d- I don't blame Laura. No. Gangland-style murder, I would expect that, but not the... Uh, <laughs> right? Not that Maybe meet Christopher Lambert <laughs> no, uh, no. out for justice. <laughs> you but don't expect uh, sex negotiations as much, um, but sounds like that's what we're getting. Yeah, I don't know this movie. Never heard of it. Don't know what it is. Like most movies on Netflix, it seems like it is just created as some sort of a tax haven. Uh, like these movies <laughs> seem so fucking fake. I don't even know. Like, what's the audience for this? Is that fucking people who've watched everything else on Netflix? I guess. And I think it trended for Netflix. a moment on the Schmeeds. It got oh, really it? popular. Yeah, because it's like just a straight sex romp. Sex romps. All right. Well, I'm in. Thank you, Jesse, for the dare. And thank you so much for the dare donation. If thank any you, of you listeners out there want to donate to Dare Daniel, go to our page. There's a PayPal right on the side. Click that thing or just bag up a bunch of money. 
change. We'll take change. We'll take coupons. Coupons, yeah. Um, just vague promises. Anything. <laughs> it doesn't even need to be a concrete thing. You could just say that we look nice today. And honestly, I would take that. A bag of compliments. That would be a the loveliest gift I could ever get. Right? Oh, it's priceless. Thank you, Jesse. And now, our feature presentation. Beyond the Seventh Door. This week's dare of Beyond the Seventh Door is Erica Schultz from the Customers Also Watch podcast. Daniel, what can you tell me about the Customers Also Watch podcast? Customers Also Watch podcast is an excellent movie review podcast hosted by Erica Schultz. I was recently a guest on the show uh, where we reviewed Fat City together, the John Huston film from 1972. That's a great movie. Great book. Great book, great movie. It's got it all. The concept of her show is that uh, she chooses her next episode based on the customers also watched section of Amazon Prime, whatever the previous episode was. So everything she watches is on Amazon Prime. She watches and reviews a movie, and then whatever's in the customers also watched for that movie. That's cool. One of those will be the review for the next show. So somehow, because normally she does really trashy kind of exploitation stuff and horror stuff on there. I don't know how Fat City ended up in there because <laughs> it's a really good movie directed by John Huston and starring Jeff Bridges. And it's just really like smart, well-made film. But uh, maybe isn't Stacey Keach in it also? Stacey and, Keach uh, is in there and our girl Susan Tyrell. from. I was going to say that might be how it is, how it got on there because <laughs> she's in trash after that didn't she win an award for that or was she was nominated? nominated for an oscar and Jeez. deservedly so she's fantastic in it uh but yeah i was recently on that show i think that show uh episode's already out uh right now so um go to the customers also watched on your uh itunes and your schmitunes and all of the all the podcasting apps so check that out so why did erica friend of the show dare us beyond the seventh door she says i come across some ellipses Interesting movies on Amazon Prime when I'm making picks for my episodes. I very nearly picked this one recently, but didn't, and ended up watching it that night on my own accord. And holy shit. So many questions. What if Tommy Wiseau was cast in Q? Did Richard Ramirez take a trip to Canada before his capture to shoot the movie? Is the director, Bozadar Benedict, an alien? Because that would explain a lot. Am I having fun watching this movie? Absolutely. But I'm also very confused. IMDb synopsis. After meeting up with his ex-lover Wendy, an ex-convict and thief named Boris gets persuaded to do one more heist. He is supposed to help Wendy rob her paraplegic bourgeois millionaire boss Lord Breston, which she has been working for as a housemaid. But things turn out to be much more complicated than expected in this exciting horror thriller with a twist ending. Yeah, right. (laughs) So yes, this week's movie is Beyond the Seventh Door, 1987 film produced in Canada, written and directed by Bozadard B. Benedict, starring Lazar Rockwood, Bonnie Beck, and Gary Friedman. That's almost as much as I know about this movie going into it. As I was saying, as I've said on previous episodes, uh, when I'm putting together the kind of script for the show and preparing for the show, I, I just go on, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, read some critics' reviews, see its scores, go on Box Office Mojo, how to do it at the box office, check its Wikipedia page, do some Googling, etc. This movie does not have an entry on Rotten Tomatoes. Doesn't have an entry on Metacritic. No entry on Box Office Mojo. Corky, this movie does not have a Wikipedia page. It doesn't have a Wikipedia page. That's a free page that anyone can fucking update on their own. They don't have it. That does. They don't have that. <laughs> like, that's this how little is known about this movie. I pulled this Bon Mott from the IMDb trivia page. Uh, apparently the scene in the restaurant at the beginning was shot at night after the place closed. They didn't just build an entire restaurant and you get the staff it. No, seriously. Yeah. What, what insight into the filmmaking process there? Thank you so much for like, that's what all movies do. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) They don't just build a fucking restaurant. Like not every movie is fucking one from the heart where they just make an entire soundstage city. Uh, the most and best information I got came from the bio part of B.D. Benedict's IMDb page. Remember, that's the writer, director, editor, cinematographer, etc., etc., etc. Apparently, B.D. was born in 1938 in the former Yugoslavia, now Croatia, as Bozadar Damjanovic. Sure. 
Made a couple other films in the late 80s and early 90s. Brooklyn Nights, you might remember. The Graveyard Story, I know you were a big fan of. Meanwhile, Star Lazar Rockwood, born in 1948 in Sombar, Serbia, as Lazar Rajic. That's right, Serbians and Croatians coming together on foreign soil to make art during a dark time in their nation's history. It's called Freedom, Catch the Fucking Fever. <laughs> now, Lazar Rockwood, he did have a few other acting credits. He was a recurring character on the short-lived Yancey Butler show, Witchblade. Quirky, do you remember Witchblade? I've never heard of Witchblade, sir. Do you remember Yancey Butler? <laughs> no. No. Remember when people were named Yancey? That was the yeah. 90s. That was just wild. <laughs> uh, but Corky. Corky. Yeah, as I said, I could barely find any information about the show, but there is a very obvious comp for a movie that we have done before, and that movie is the last movie we did, and it's called Dangerous Men, because both of these are made by... Foreign nationals who have come to America in John S. Rad's case and Canada in B.D. Benedict's case, and they have made a film. Sure. And that film appears to be not just from an alien in the foreign foreigner coming to another country, but in an actual alien. Like, I don't understand what people are, but I'm going to make a movie about it. What did you like better? Did you like the... <laughs> The kind of Antonioni-esque treatment that we got from John S. Rad, or did you like this more kind of Cronenbergian sort of a, a feel <laughs> that we got from uh, that uh, we get from BD Benedict? I I, I like that it's Cronenbergian because it, there's like it's an indecipherable blob of nothingness, kind of just masses <laughs> together and metastasizes on people. I like this better than Dangerous Men. Yeah. Because it actually told a kind of somewhat cohesive story, uh, it's just ineffective <laughs> in the way it did it. Uh, and I and I think that the leads in this movie of of which there are fifty percent of the cast in this movie are the two leads. I think they were they were genuine. They were more genuine. I mean, they were giving it their fucking all. Everybody wow. in there was trying their best. You think so? God, I do that was think their so. best. Uh, that's upsetting, actually. I do think they were trying their very hardest. Erica had it right with Canadian Tommy Wiseau. That's yep. that's who Lazar Rockwood, our hero, is. And yeah, it's about this couple who are sort of put through. She mentions Cube also, so it's like this sort of puzzle puzzle chamber where you have to solve puzzles to stay alive so it has elements of like a torture porn movie like saw right because in yeah. saw you have this person's watching you and he's making you go through these deadly games and it, but they're all real traps but the real torture here quirky is watching two complete fucking nitwits try to solve <laughs> puzzles yeah. and i'm going heavy heavy air quotes on the word puzzles because they go through a, they go through more than seven doors. I, I actually counted when I went back over my notes. I was like, "That's there's nine or ten doors in here. <laughs> Something slides down. I'm not sure if we're counting that as a door, okay? But uh, <laughs> this movie presaged escape rooms. But if yes. escape rooms were for like four year olds, yes. like, <laughs> that's what the puzzles are that's in this movie. Yeah, it is very escape roomy, but it's just so slow and so aggravating mm. watching them try to figure it out. But it, I also can't fully dismiss it just because I laughed my ass off throughout. Yeah, me too. But I was also like, ah, <laughs> like laughing and then yeah. groaning really hard because it was just so, so this irritating. Movie, it's 78 minutes long, but like 50% of it is it lingers on shots way too fucking long. It's of people thinking about something. Like, they're considering something. Sitting down, then standing back up, then sitting back down again. <laughs> yes. You absolutely. get long shots of that. Yeah, and most of the film appears to have been shot, like, in the bowels of a single building. And I used to work at the Tower Theater here in Sacramento, which is, like, a, a very old theater. It's almost 100 years old, and I've been down under underneath it. And it's kind of like a, a smaller version of what they have here. So I feel like they probably found some location and was like, hey, we can shoot in the basement of this building for like a few days. What's a movie that we could figure out that is set in corridors and doorways? <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just make it up. Because like, that's where the entire thing is set, is in like a cement corridor. 
If you told me that this movie was actually written by someone who was in prison as the main character is getting out of at the beginning, I'd be like, yeah, it's all about escaping. <laughs> it's all about figuring out how to escape. And then it's shot in the most shoddy locations in a restaurant. There's an exterior shot of a castle. Yeah. Exterior shot of a prison. And then the bowels and, and uh, mechanical walkways of some building. Well, and don't forget, they, they actually went into a restaurant. They, they did not build the restaurant <laughs> for the film. That's what a lot of people right. think. But they actually waited until it was closed and shot after. That they had that two-week choreographed, long Copacabana-style shot in that restaurant. <laughs> Forgot about that. Why did we need 90 takes of this? God damn you, Warren Beatty. <laughs> <laughs> Warren Beatty Benedict. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So Beyond the Seventh Door... We start with some very cheeseball 80s music. It's all very synthy. We have those 1980s digital graphics that are actually like wavering slightly. These are after school special graphics. Uh, yeah. That like stuff you would make in camera with a camcorder. Sure. You know what I mean? Like nothing yeah. nothing that was added after the fact. They were just like, okay, hang on. I got to program this. I got to type in these <laughs> credits first and then we can shoot. Um, you know it's a good movie when it's the credits are over a still shot of something. Right. There's no yes. <laughs> there's no creativity to these credits. It's just words over a still shot of a prison. It just looks like it's paused. It's just, <laughs> paused. It's just like a little wine leaving. Um, and as with John S. Rad and Dangerous Men, B.D. Benedict's name is almost the only name in the opening credits. He, and one credit is credit is named as director of photography and editor. That's like one credit. <laughs> Those are the same thing. Not making separate credits for those. That's too much typing. Um, so as the music continues to play, we we see our hero Boris uh, again, played by Lazar Rockwood. He has, I would say, I mean, he looks like an ex-con. Honestly, yeah. he authentically, kind of does look like an ex-con. He's got a craggy face. Oh my He's, god, he, Erica nailed it with Richard Ramirez. <laughs> this guy's face is like seventy-five percent cheekbones, yes. and his his his. Face just stops after his bottom lip. Like his chin is half an inch from his bottom lip, and then there's nothing below that except for Adam's apple. Yeah, and then it's, he's got this scraggly black mane of hair that has not had a comb through it in decades. Craggy black hair, and he's basically he's dressed like a Canadian. He's wearing jeans yep. and a and a jacket and, and a plaid. What's funny is that later on he like takes off his jacket and he has a jeans jacket underneath. <laughs> it's Dude. like he had two jackets. <laughs> the Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> Seriously. So he's getting released from prison. Uh, hails a taxi. He takes a very long ride to the restaurant. The entire opening credits, quirky. This is all happening during the opening credits. At, at credits finally end, the taxi gets to the place it was going. He gets out of the taxi and walks up to a restaurant. Four and a half minutes. The opening credits... 77 minute long film that is i i did the math it's six percent of the movie and that is <laughs> it the action that happens in here could have been covered in a single sentence of dialogue yep. yes one single sentence he gets out of fucking jail and hails a taxi and it gets dropped off at this restaurant boom we're Dog, done you missed no. that he lights up a cigarette he smokes oh, a cigarette. Yes, we get a real-time cigarette smoke. That is. That's the drinking game for this movie is every time he lights a cigarette. I mean, you because it's one of those like you'll get pretty drunk. You're not going to get so hammered, but you, you're going to you get, get drunk. drunk you know yeah. what I mean? Like you're going to have 10 or 12. You're going to have a, a good number of drinks. We also learned during the opening credits that the film had three composers, which just boggles the fucking mind. When you hear the, the, the synth that is happening out here, and now no one is playing any notes or anything. It's like obvious. It's just like in fucking uh, Dangerous Men. Somebody is obvious to just hit the button on a synth yeah. and is just going to let that go. It's like, okay, do that for three minutes. It's either that or they sampled a song from a computer game in 1987. <laughs> So Boris arrives at this restaurant somewhere in Canada, and he sees a woman, and they exchange, I want to say meaningful looks, but that would indicate some kind of a thought process. There's no on. meaning to these looks. No. Something's no. happening. They see each other. They obviously see each other, and then just sort of stare and kind of like, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they're doing, but they're killing time, I guess. Not since Aloha has there been such a weird <laughs> stare through a window at somebody. 
So this woman is Wendy. And Wendy, we surmise, is Boris's ex-lover, and she's been kind of estranged from him ever since he has been in prison. None of this stuff adds up when you learn about all, all the twist at the very end. Like right. none of this stuff fucking connects, right? No. It's just it's Although a, a lot of the stuff I was nitpicking kind of gets negated by the end cuz I'm like cuz she is so angry. And then I'm like, "Why did you meet him?" Cuz yeah. she has no positivity for this man. <laughs> so But the acting is oh. acting. This is master thespian level. What effectively comes out is she works for some guy named Lord Breston. And Lord Breston is paralyzed from the waist down. But there's these stories about, quote, the hidden treasures of the Lord Breston. And (laughs) Boris, who is bitter about how the last job went down because he was the only one who went away for it, wants Wendy, who now works for Lord Breston, to help him steal the treasure. Right. Wendy resists at first, but finally agrees. However, she never relents from her, I just smelled 10,000 farts smell (laughs) fucking face. (laughs) Like, that is her expression. Every fucking scene is just like, holy shit, 10,000 people just farted in me, (laughs) in my fucking face. Because she is just sneering and looks so fucking... But yeah, she finally agrees to it. So we cut to Boris winning... It's hilarious because she's begging him to go straight. She's like, no, don't do this. You're not a good crook. Go straight. And he's like, okay, all I need is from you is a small favor and I'll never bother you again, right? And the small favor is, is the treasure in the castle? Where is the treasure in the castle? How do I get to the treasure in the castle? Do you have access to for me to get into the castle? Where are the codes in the castle? And what time should I show up to get in the – like he asks all this stuff. And Wendy – One thing and you're divested. Wendy's like – I'm in. All right. I'll, I'll help you one last there, time. Right? You just need that those one six things. Uh, yeah. So we go to Boris and Wendy at the castle, and she now has a key that she's stolen from around Lord Breston's like, We should ex- explain. The dialogue is nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And I complain a lot about like movies that over-explain like, the plot and over-explain the themes instead of kind of letting you as a viewer – get there on your own and letting you kind of put those things together. And this movie also does that. (laughs) However, it doesn't matter because the explanation does not make any sense. Like people are saying things and we, we kind of can read a little bit enough to advance the plot. The content doesn't make any actual sense because she is talking about like, she, she is like, there's a key and it's a really important key. And I think it might unlock this door. And he's like, nah, this is just some dumb door. And she's like, well, I don't know, but he sleeps with this key around his neck and it only goes to this door. And he's like, okay, maybe it is this door. <laughs> like what? I thought like, why is he talking her out of it? What? Like, it's just the dialogue and how it's delivered. It doesn't really make any sense. So we're, we're interpreting. Yeah. There are several times in this movie where he'll question something. Yeah. And then she'll, she'll just go, well, of course it's that. And it's like, oh, okay, well, it's that. That's, that's how we figured that part out. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> this is also, I think, <laughs> one of the first times where we get where he real time slowed o- door opening. They creep through. <laughs> And then we linger on that open, cracked door with nobody in it for about 20 seconds, 30 yes. seconds. Cut to them coming in a room, walking through another door, linger on that hallway yes. for 20 seconds, 30 seconds. <laughs> so, yes, they get through this door. They get to another door, which Boris then just picks. He picks the lock of the door, even though it doesn't look like one of those doors that you can pick with a lock. Like the- No, it's like a kitchen door with a little That's lock on right. it. It's not how that works. Um, so they go through that door, and then the door closes behind them. We see a recording click on, and we hear the voice of Lord Breston. And Lord Breston says, welcome to my chamber of terrors. And he calls. The, he's like, whoever you are, you're a thief, and I have a right to try to protect my property. But he tells them that if you can make your way through the chamber, you know, fair fight, you can keep the treasure. And then another door starts closing. But the, I, this is edited and shot so poorly. I couldn't even tell what exactly what was happening here. But another door closes, and they have to run under the door or something like that? Oh, yeah. So as this voiceover is playing, you watch the actors try to fill by walking down this. Like, they're like, don't go around the corner. 
We're not going to shoot there. We're just going to shoot this one hallway. <laughs> and they just slowly walk down this corner or hallway, looking up, looking down, looking around, looking up, looking down, looking around, while the voiceover plays. All one long shot. And it's such a beautifully composed shot. Nobody's in focus. <laughs> like, you can't see. You see that there's people, but you can't see their face. So but they yeah, rush. Then, then there's the like door a door comes down off the from the ceiling. It's like a uh, Indiana Jones style, yeah, where yeah. the thing's closing. He rolls through, has to go back for the bag, and then grabs the bag, comes back, but it still hasn't closed like halfway. So he <laughs> kind of fakes going back under again and comes back again. And they were just like, "Yep, keep that. That's good. Keep doing that. Keep doing it." Oh my god! So after the door closes and they get under it, they spend several minutes. Reacting, just I don't know. And reacting just, to, to nothing. It's <laughs> so weird. They are like all like really out of place, and and but they're just kind of like sitting up and standing out and stomping around and sort of waving their arms. They're just like, what the fuck is happening? It's but all in just, like a two foot square area that they're doing this too. They're just, just like, like be emotional. Yes, more emotional. No, not that emotional. <laughs> so the music, which has been going like nonstop. This entire time, and we're like 15 minutes into it, finally stops and they take a, a little brief out. moment to have a little kind of like, let's get to know each other a little bit better. So so Boris tells Wendy, you look like a hooker. <laughs> and Wendy says, he's a pervert, meaning Lord Breston. And it was at this point, speaking of perverts, I noticed our boy Boris is wearing like a, I want to say headband. It's like a thin, it's like a lace headband. You know what? Under that mane of hair, I bet you he just forgot there's things up there. Like, there's all kinds of shit up there. (laughs) You never know what's going to pop out. Could be a headband. And then later on, when he starts pulling out his his burglar tools, sarcastic quotes, (laughs) burglar tools, who knows? I mean, there could be a slide rule up there. This is where he takes off his outer coat and you see that the denim mode is activated. He's just full denim. He's already wearing acid wash jeans, and he's wearing like a, a coat. You know, it's Canada. But he takes off his coat, and what's under there? He's got a jeans jacket, straight <laughs> up. Like, yeah. It's the Winnipeg tuxedo, baby. Look at that thing. And they start bickering. Of course, there's a lot of bickering between these two. As as uh, you know, and as the tension ratchets up, it just more and more and more. And and Wendy is is constantly haranguing him about things. So Boris says, "Okay, enough. I have enough." I have enough of this. I have enough of you. I have enough of everything. <laughs> and that's when he's like down to business, jeans jacket only. I'm like, I'm stripping, <laughs> baby. I'm getting down to it. Wendy is dressed like a cocktail waitress at a casino in Reno, right? Yeah. She's wearing like this like red. Like a pirate themed casino. Or like a, <laughs> it's like, it's kind of wench-ish, right? But I always feel bad for these actresses who have to run in high heels. Like she's wearing stilettos. And she and he's sprinting down a hallway and she's got to run on cobblestones and, and cement floor. And I always feel so bad. And I felt worse when she had to descend that ladder, which we get a 40 second shot of her descending a ladder right. in her high heels. <laughs> But she so, says to him, she says, you're not a good thief. Oh and he says, goodness. I'm getting better. <laughs> I know. My favorite fucking exchange. You're not even a good thief. I'm getting better. <laughs> well, let's break that down. He just got out of jail today. 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 So your last job did not go well. Right. Let's just say that. The last job went poorly. On your current job, you are trapped in a chamber of terrors. How fucking bad were you before that you're getting better? <laughs> and you and counting for the uh the twist at the end, he fucking fails this thing several times. He would not make it through the w- second door. Literally worse and worse and worse. She basically solves every puzzle, <laughs> quote unquote, puzzle for him except for picking the lock. <laughs> the I'm, getting it, it better. I'm getting better. So they walked out of this chamber of terrors. This is another fucking awesome part. You can see a sign on one of the pipes behind them that says, Danger, hot. (laughs) Who puts that that in a chamber of terrors? (laughs) Like, Essen, I'm going to terrorize people. I do not want to scald them. This pipe can get very hot. Right. It's a chamber of terrors, but it has to be OSHA approved. I mean, Listen, buddy, when I agreed to build you a chamber of terrors, I said everything up the code. Everything up the code, okay? This pipe gets hot. There's a sign that says it's been 364 days since our last <laughs> accidental injury. It's been zero days since our pers- last purposeful death. 
So they open yet another door. They've decided, okay, well, we got to keep going through through this chamber of terrors. That's the door behind them is locked. Oh, they can oh, only yeah. go forward. And they do Let's not go. ever get the gist of propping open the door that they just came through. Oh, like, I know, right? There are several just, times. And every time they're shocked by that the door snaps close behind them. But yeah, indeed, uh, the door snaps close behind him, and on comes another recording, and it's Lord Bresson again, and he says, you have a choice. You can move on or stay here and die peacefully, which, again, that just doesn't make sense. Your mm-hmm. options are die or, or die in a different room. No option to just leave there. <laughs> Where are you going with this, Lord Bresson? And uh, Boris, of course, he's as frustrated as we are, and he says, that's it? <laughs> Speak up, you bastard. <laughs> Lord Bresson's sound system is pretty sweet, too, because it's a cardboard thing <laughs> painted gray with some aluminum foil in the middle yes. stuck to a wall. They do some puzzle solving. Robert Langdon would be embarrassed at how fucking <laughs> dumb these puzzles are. Like they, So Lord Bresson says at the very end, he says something about, like, um, you know, count on your something. Oh, wait. But this is after... Boris has said, I talked to a guy in jail. This will work. Oh, yes. He sticks an egg timer or something <laughs> on the vault door. Numbers go. He presses yeah. a button, and then he hits the dial. Yeah. Presses a button. Numbers go. Then he hits the dial. It, it does, it's- Put this thing on. It goes boop, 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 and then it just does the thing. You're right. This is, by, this is an alien who's seen this happen, <laughs> but they don't know how it interconnects. They can't figure out like how that, yeah, how that actually works. So Lord Bresson says something like count count on your something which count on your wisdom. Count on your wisdom. Which Wendy's like, wait, maybe that means something else. Maybe we'll count the letters in that. So they figure out <laughs> when she suggests this, Boris says, You mean his words had special significance? <laughs> like this is a movie that like I can't believe that words would have significance. And like, you believe it. Watching is, you know, listening to the dialogue, you're like, yeah, no, no significance here. If not you, at all. If you told me that this actor was delivering his lines phonetically, like he didn't know what, the, <laughs> what he was saying, I 100% believe you. So they, she basically solves it for him. Which, and again, when you go back, it's just so. What? Once he gets that code right, five, two, four, six, because that's the amount of letters, I guess, in those words. Yeah. The door opens. They go through. There's no significance. Like it wasn't no. like there was, it was a milestone moment of coming together. There's no music swell. There's jack shit. It's just now we're through the door and we're shocked when this door shuts behind us. Oh, that one shut too. And then here's another very like another dumb puzzle where it's like it, it's like a riddle, and it's one of those things. It's like in Temple of Doom where or no, not Temple of Doom, Last Crusade. Uh, there's a lot of Indiana Jones stuff in here, although um, Last Crusade came out after this movie, I think. Um, but it's that Last Crusade scene where he's trying to spell. Uh, he has to step on plates, and th- you have to step it, on the right one, or you'll fall through, or, or it'll booby trap you. And it's it like looks a booby like trap the carpet thing. you'd find in a kindergarten where it's all letters, <laughs> yes, different it squares. Really does. That's except for this one has it. skull and crossbones. <laughs> there is like five minutes of them like. Hmm. Let's figure out this and what's this and what's this and like she she'll suggest something and then he will take like thirty seconds to consider it and it'll yes. be real time considering like you'll see his face. Hmm. Ah, oh. that might be it. <laughs> this, <laughs> like, so. this actor's and I'm using actors in more sarcastic quotes. <laughs> this actor's moves are touching his forehead, yeah. looking pensive, looking to the side, touching his forehead, looking pensive, looking to the side, going, shit, <laughs> shit. <laughs> you are right, Wendy. So it's funny because he doesn't even recognize this as a puzzle necessarily, but this is like <laughs> the most obvious where it actually is a puzzle because there's like all these letters on the ground and he, the last one, you got a riddle, and he gave you another riddle here this time. I He's, thought these letters were just from crate and barrel. <laughs> she says, we have to figure it out. And he says, and what we win if we do? Like, why are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> Catch this guy up. You, you, it's your only escape, and also it leads to the treasure. Where the fuck has this guy been? 
So anyway, they decide the answer is one thing, and the the fucking like the guy who's watching him has to finally be like, "Look, idiots, it's a fucking puzzle." <laughs> Let me. So then we hear the voiceover, like he's pushing them along. He tells them that my father has a ring. Spell my name. Like he has to yeah. tell them what to do. He's like here's some help. You're really okay. Bad at so. This. This is the part where I was like, this woman who in a previous scene admits that she is a private dancer, a dancer for money. She'll do what she what you want her to do. He pays her to touch her, to watch her do things. And she blames Boris. She says, it's because of you I, I can take this job. I can't take any other job. No, this woman who's, who, who says this is the only way she can make money now knows operas. Knows the <laughs> moons of Saturn, knows Roman gods, because she has every answer in this. She does. So they come up with the answer Janice, um, but by the second letter, the wall starts shooting, and uh, Boris leaps back and he yells, Christ! This is crazy! <laughs> And this, oh my God, it just keeps happening and happening. It's one of those just like, wow, is this fucking scene still happening? Then the walls start pushing them in. He says to her, what now? And she, always helpful, he says, I don't know. We tried everything. (laughs) Followed by about a 30 second beat, then says, unless, (laughs) and then gives them the answer. So... They decide the answer is Juno, J-U-N-O, and when they step on the O, that is one of those cranes that very slowly drops It is the slowest. And that thing's not going to go all the way down. They cut away from that when they get to about their knees. It goes very slow, and they're gripping each other tight like they're going to fall and plummet. Oh, my God. (laughs) So... Basically, the same thing happens again. They go in, uh, through another door. The door shuts behind them. Lord Preston's voice comes on. He says, now you have five minutes to solve the chamber. Um, but, but no more nothing, hints. There's no more nothing hints. in this chamber. Nothing here. There's no hints. There's no riddles. There's no puzzles. There's no anything like that. Except for one obviously <laughs> differently colored <laughs> cement block that is going to be where they escape through. Yes. But Lord Bresson, they can't find that. So Lord Bresson is counting it down, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes. Boris is is running all around the room trying to, like, figure out what the hell do we do? What the hell do we do? When he is, like, just sitting there moping, like, leaning up against the wall. He actually yells at her, do something. (laughs) She's like, I'm too scared. I'm scared, too. I'm scared, too, Wendy. And he yells at Lord Breston at the recording or at the speaker. He yells, screw you. You heard that? <laughs> screw you. <laughs> and spikes and he, start he coming pre- out of his <laughs> He proceeds to put his hands on his hips, <laughs> then to his head, then his hands on yes. his hips. He, he does that uh, through a solid minute. So another Indiana Jones thing. Spikes now start coming out of the ceiling, right? The ceiling starts coming down on them. And spikes are coming out. This ceiling must have been about 400 feet fucking uh-huh, because the speed that it's coming down the speed it's coming and how long it's de- coming down <laughs> like it just doesn't make any like it has to be like this, this is like the sistine chapel like coming down on you uh yeah but uh they are able boris eventually <laughs> just, he just punches through that jump discoloration that yep. on the wall uh, and then just, what's funny is on the other side he so he he beats through this oddly shaped hole on one side, and then on the other side, it's just a perfect square. It's already framed and carpentried. <laughs> great puzzle solving, just great mm-hmm. puzzle solving. Kicking through the wall. Like, what is the fucking puzzle? It's so fucking dumb. So they start bickering again, like right yeah. away, of course. Um, and she storms off because you know women. She says, "I'll get myself out of this mess," and immediately falls down a hole is irretrievably in some other chamber good job wendy wendy goes down there and what's in there dead body oh my god but she's stuck in this thing it's like there's a slide they obviously filmed an actual slide yeah at some point for the tunnel down to this chamber uh she's stuck down there boris is stuck up there she sees a dead body she sees a bunch of holes in the wall she's like there's holes in the wall and this leads to the immortal line the holes wendy Tell me about the holes. <laughs> and she says, there's lots. 
They're everywhere. (laughs) There's lots that work. (laughs) That's not descriptive. This body that's down there in that chamber or whatever. Heavily breathing body. Oh, yeah, the chest heaving body. It can't be more than a couple hours old. It does not. There's no lividity. It's an old man, and it's just (laughs) propped up against a wall. He's like, how did it die? Tell me something about the body. She doesn't look at it at all and goes, I don't know, drowning or something. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So they figure out that there's this panel, and Wendy needs to, like, screw off this panel and Ugh. escape from it because she can't climb back up the thing. For She she doesn't make any attempt to. No. She just flat out decides that she cannot do this. So she has to, first of all, pry the screwdriver from the dead guy's hand. We're jumping ahead a little bit, but what is the point of this if she's in on the whole fucking thing? Why, why does she have to go through her thing of pulling a screwdriver out of the, <laughs> out of the guy's hand? Why have to be timid about it? Why not just? I mean, she fucked that guy. Obviously, that's uh, right. as we find out later. Why, why? And then, how did he die there and she didn't? If he's down there with a screwdriver. <laughs> so anyway, while Boris lights yet another cigarette, she starts unscrewing the panel. This this, le- this is my favorite. This fucking scene goes on forever. So much unscrewing. So much unscrewing. She goes to. Yeah, we get a full. Watching a whole screw come out. And this woman is not adept at using a screwdriver. Like she a fucks l- up like five she, times. She pulls one out. And then the second one she pulls out, she's like, this one's really long. <laughs> she's like, oh my what, God. Is this episode like, of This Old Castle? This is your fucking life, ostensibly. <laughs> uh, but they hear something. They hear something. They hear like rushing water coming. They go, oh, hurry, Wendy, hurry. And he says, Boris says, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> At all. <laughs> and I said, well, he's talking about the movie. <laughs> so <laughs> she yells up to him, Boris, are you there? And he says, where the hell would I go? <laughs> Why is that exchange necessary? But there's like a hundred screws of this thing. There's like t- at least 20 or 30 screws. Yeah. Boris says, take your time, which is bad advice. She decides, I'm going to just give up. Midway through screw Just number two. Quits. Yeah. So he decides that he's going to pull her out with an extension cord. Okay. So where the fuck was part- this extension cord like 10 minutes ago? Hey, exactly. like you just had a whole thing of like, tell me about the holes. And and he does, doesn't have the extension cord. He has to get the extension cord, which is stuck back in the, in the spikes room, <laughs> which obviously they can now get to still. And he, how does he get to it? With his tape measure. That's part of his burglar kit, a tape measure. Because you want to do a little carpentry work as you're burglaring. And you measure twice, rob once. That's what I was always taught. He uses the tape measure, and it takes him a solid four minutes to get this extension cord with the tape measure. Meanwhile, water is filling up the chamber. Wendy is ripping off chunks of her dress to clog the pipes you got a dead body full of clothes right over here (laughs) he just starts ripping her own dress apart this woman knew operas and saturn's moons and (laughs) saturn gods uh, roman gods and now she is so clueless on how to stop water so so he gets his extension cord he throws it down the the uh, chute down to her and she says extension cord's too short he says how short she says, I don't know. It's too short. And then starts complaining about how the water is cold. <laughs> like, it's cold. <laughs> At one point, someone asks what time it is. Yeah, and he says, it's five past two. The water should stop any moment now. And she's like, how what? do you know? He doesn't really answer. <laughs> why why it, would but he know? He just knows, how would and the know? water stops. And sure enough, it just stops. Like, There's nothing to indicate the water is going to stop. No. Like, literally, not, like, why? Why do you think that? But he's just and like, And he didn't even stop. look at a watch when he, she asked what time is it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, sure enough, the water just drains for no reason. Not sure what the puzzle was in this room or what the test right? was for anyone. And also, if the point is to drown him, why did she fall down? Did she fall down intentionally? Uh, and tell him repeatedly not to come down? It's but this actress is standing there now in her sexy skivvies, yeah. half a dress on top, and she's freezing. This poor woman is yeah. standing there shaking and shivering. 
And while drying her off, Boris just starts nuzzling down oh. in the nether regions. She's, he uh, starts, she's like, Boris, don't. God, you're crazy. But of course, she's into it. Of he's, rub, he's rubbing knees. He's yes. licking belly buttons. He's going dangerous, <laughs> man. John ass rad on that. And they go full on sexual intercourse right in front of the corpse and we even get a That's close up fucking amazing. of the dead man's face is like the money shot for this is like they're having sex and then you're just kind of like in your head you're so like wow wait isn't there a corpse still in the room and it's like boom close up on his face as he's like watching them <laughs> the dialogue on the sex scene is boris stop boris no please boris don't baby it's happening <laughs> That's fucked up. Then we get a close up on a corpse's eyes who's dead watching him. And then fade out, fade in, okay, sex over. Let's get into the chamber. I mean, that's uh, basically how it's fucking handled. No, no, it's sex over. Now Boris is shirtless, and now it's his turn to unscrew things. Yes. This is, we have three long screwing scenes in a row. Her, yeah, right. Them two, then him. <laughs> so more unscrewing. And this leads to a briefcase full of cash. Nice treasure, bro. <laughs> Sweet treasure, dude. What the fuck? It's just a briefcase full of paper stacks of paper. <laughs> About five grand. I mean, it's, it's a briefcase. And then we're talking like a briefcase size of a small laptop. Yes. But he, the voiceover treasure. says, you can walk out with $1 million. I mean, this... This is five grand at most of Xeroxed money. Yeah. Breston gives him two options. Option number one, leave without the treasure. Option number two, also leave without the treasure, but you'll get a greater treasure. Lord Bre- like focus, Lord Breston, fucking focus. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> Your options don't make sense. And at one point, I can't remember if it's Boris or Wendy, but one of them says, it's probably his deadliest trap. (laughs) It's Wendy. Like, what? Yeah, so Wendy wants to leave, but Boris is just, yeah, he's got treasure in his eyes, right? But hang on, hang on. Something's something's a little fishy here. So he looks under the table, sees a bomb under the table. Boy, you thought the unscrewing went on for a long time. We get like three minutes of him brushing sand and pebbles off of this hidden bomb it looks like hamster chips yes exactly and he knows so this this actor knows exactly where to move stuff so he's just delicately brushing all around and he finds a wire connected to more (laughs) wires it's like a coil and more wires that's it but it goes on forever of him blowing and brushing. Just like brush, like just meticulously, like a like a paleontologist who just found like a Tyrannosaurus Rex bone or something. Yeah, he he is just being so gentle with this. Um, so after several minutes, Wendy finally convinces him. Look, it's obviously a bomb. The bomb's gonna blow if you take the treasure. Let's get the fuck out of here. We got our lives. Let's go. Let's go make love up in my room, which is in this house, right? So he decides I'm gonna take. A few stacks of bills. So he grabs a few of them and gets in the elevator. Um, and they're leaving and they're ready to go. Wendy exhorts him to come to her bedroom, but he decides he's going to go back for more Psych. money. Psych. So he goes back down in the elevator. And it cuts back and forth. So while she is, this is a twist here. So everybody get ready. As she is undressing and showering, <clears throat> Boris. Yeah, absolutely. Boris goes back down again. To take all of the cash. And he's just taking all the bills out one by one, taking them out, taking them out. And at first you think, because this movie has so many fucking Indiana Jones bites, you think, oh, he's going to do a Raiders of the Lost Ark thing. Right. And he's going to have a weight. Because it's obviously triggered to the fucking briefcase. So he's going to replace the weight of the money with the weight of something else. Like he pulls out his jacket and you think like, okay, he's going to try to do this. He just puts the money, uses his jacket as like a bindle to just pick up all of the fucking money. He's just like, if I just take the money out, it's fine. It's like, I'll just leave this briefcase. It's not even that nice of a briefcase. (laughs) I know it's rigged to a bomb, but I'm just going to take my jacket as a bindle, delicately avoid this taped X, because that's X marks the spot where it blows you up. And then take all of them. And as he grabs the last one, sure enough, kaboom, he blows up. Boom. 
And that's it. Yeah. And we cut back to Wendy and she's kind of shaking her no head. No money for an explosion. No, no money for an explosion. He gets zip. I mean, what was all the dusting for? Like, he was so delicate with that bomb. And he's just like, oh, money. <laughs> so the twist, Wendy's now in her bedroom and in comes Lord Bresson in his wheelchair. And he says, we both gave him a chance. Dun, dun, dun. She now, was, was in that the whole time. Was that Lord Bresson or was that Charlie from Charlie's Angels? Yeah, right. <laughs> But yeah, so, she was in on it, and he says, do you have to have sex with them every time? Yeah. <gasps> Slut shames. Slut shames her, and then uh, she picks up a phone and calls the next guy for the Peter. next one. The end. The fucking end of a very short and simple and yet incredibly convoluted and impossible to decipher film. Corky, any yeah. last thoughts before we give our ratings? Uh, just it blows me away that she fucked that dead body that's in there. That because he's an old man, he but looks like what? Kevin McDonald. <laughs> cut cut out the plot part. There's what six set pieces in this movie. If you break mm-hmm. it down, like they go from room to room to room. Starts at a prison, then we're at a restaurant, then we're in the castle, and we're just through a series of hallways. So like you break down this 77 minute movie, it's only like. Six or seven eventful scenes, yeah. but they just take so fucking long. They're just everything is just incredibly extended. It's all just like filler to like we need to make this feature length. Just just two more minutes of reaction, and that should do it, guys. Yeah, yeah. It it's just so convoluted, and it doesn't make any sense. Like Lord Breston's plan. I, I, I somewhat understand in theory of like, okay, he's he's just one of these like kind of most dangerous game, weird, yep. rich motherfuckers who does this thing and just wants to fuck with people. But like, if your whole thing was like, I'm going to give people a choice and they're going to make this choice or that choice and there's consequences to all of their choices, like, okay, that, that makes sense. But then like, why did you just have Wendy solve the fucking puzzle for him every fucking time? Most of the puzzles, she just gives him the answer. Yeah. Or gives and- him a key. So, <laughs> you know, are we to surmise that nobody ever chooses to leave and, and go free? Because that Wendy would have to go with them, right? Right. It seems unlikely. Like, because it, it makes it that when, these are all Wendy's exes. I mean, she has a busy social calendar. That's what I'm saying is like, and this guy's been in prison for who knows how many years. So she's been like setting this guy up forever. I mean, it, it just, what the fuck is anyone's point of doing anything? And it doesn't seem like there is one. Except yeah. for just to get this movie to 77 minutes. And you did it. Good job. Yay. So just to remind everybody of our ratings, a run-of-the-mill bad film is Dare, Next Level Bad, Double Dare, and a movie we actually like is Reverse Dare. Corky, your rating for Beyond the Seventh Door. You know, I got to go Double Dare. I, I did have two like genuine big crack-up moments, but nowhere near enough to make it better than um, – or to make it a reverse dare. So it's a double dare because it's so low budget, so poorly acted. They're trying their best, but these are not capable people. And it's just clunky. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. I mean, I agree with you, but I'll go with a dare just because I, I did actually enjoy it um, from time to time. Uh, like I said, it was aggravating. And then I would laugh at how aggravated I was. <laughs> or I would just laugh at how. The concept of of just puzzles and things like that. It's just, it, this movie just seems so much more, because it is one of these kind of like elaborate kind of puzzles and like traps and things like that. Like it, it needs to be like, not even well written, yeah. but it needs to be competently written for it to have any kind of thrust or any make any kind of sense. Um, and God, it's just their complete inability to f- just figure out how to stage a scene or how to like build tension or anything is honestly kind of fascinating. Um, in the same way that dangerous when was, it was aggravating. I was and also I might enjoy this time. movie more if I watched it with people or like as a mystery science theater thing, because there's so much long, right. quiet, extended scenes you could talk during and you wouldn't miss anything, but you could just ratchet up the humor of it. Absolutely. I had no one to talk to. <laughs> so I was just like, fuck, come on, get through it. Yeah. That is beyond the seventh door thank you very much erica and go and check out customers also watch listen to me on that show and listen to the other episodes on that show it's a good that's all we have for you on this episode of dare daniel but we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares until then send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at dare daniel 
facebook.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on the Schmied. That is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on your favorite podcast app or all of the podcast app, right? Tell you what, favorite and least favorite. That's your mission. Favorite and least favorite podcast app. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky, where can people find you devising elaborate puzzles for ex-cons? You can find me in my Breston, Lord Breston's castle, <laughs> where we've kept the treasure for 200 years. And I will be devising very complex riddles that I will have someone help solve for you. And that treasure, you have converted that just to a briefcase full of cash, yes. 40 bucks? Yeah. 40, 40 sweet smackaroonies. It was rubies, diamonds, uh, jades, and things, but you're just, nah, you know what? Easier just. Dan, I'm, I'm, I actually, since I'm paying somebody to help people through this, I've lost like $60,000 on this deal. <laughs> no, I am underwater. No treasure. I left. did not think this through. You, you, you find Lord Breston's treasure, you take on Lord Breston's debts. Get out! Get out, you fool! (laughs) All right, bye everyone. We love you.